going to say it's Tuesday, and then I remembered, no, it's not. Wait, is it? Is it Tuesday today? Oh my God, it is. <laughs> I very often confuse the days these days because I'm working so much. So, <laughs> how's it going? Good morning. Oh my goodness. Here we are once again in the morning with the morning coffee. You know how we do it over here. There's a couple things I want to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about is I haven't even, I really haven't even gotten to process what happens. Like I, I spend time doing fun things on the weekend and I don't even get to look back and be like, oh man, it's such a good weekend because uh, the day starts, the next day starts and I'm like, bam, 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 bam. Time to get up, time to go to work again, time to do this, time to do that. You don't have very much time, get it done. Time management, which I find a lot easier when I have a way more busy schedule. I'm much better at scheduling. I actually use my calendar. So I'm thinking the constraints that have so recently <clears throat> come into my life due to my schedule change. It's actually a good thing. Constraints are good. Constraints actually help one flourish. You know, obviously, pick your constraints well. But uh, limited time is good. It really makes you think like, ah, I don't have very much time. I should really spend my time doing things that are going to bring me enjoyment and bring me meaning and bring me happiness and uh, make the current time pass by in a nice fashion. But holy shit, let me first tell you about the story at work. <laughs> yesterday, I went to work and, well, it was the day before yesterday, before I had left, the light in the bathroom had gone out. I don't remember at what point in the day that happened because it was working and then it wasn't. So I left a message for one of the supervisors. And uh, so he was in there yesterday morning kind of trying to fix it. I guess something was actually wrong with the fixture, not just the light bulb. So they had to go and get a new fixture. And in the meantime, our the whole warehouse right now is decorated like Halloween style. There's webs and things hanging from the lights. And because the ceilings are so high, it looks really creepy and cool. Anyway... <clears throat> There was this flashing strobe light that made thunder sounds and like sounds of someone screaming. <laughs> so what he did was he plugged that into the bathroom and it was really funny because it, um, it was just flashing in there and there was noise coming out of there. And it really looked like it was kind of like a scary room, like a haunted house or something of the like. It was quite fun. I took a video and I was sitting in the bathroom having a pee and I was laughing so hard because the whole room was flashing and my eyes were just like, ah, oh no, why? <laughs> Post that shit on my Instagram story. It was pretty funny. Um, work is so fun. <laughs> I love little things like that at work when people just do silly things. Everybody was getting so fucking annoyed with that thing all day. Anyways, they went and got a fixture and they fixed it. And the fixture actually had an outlet or two on them or on it. So they plugged the thing into the outlet on the lights so that when you turn on the light switch, it would start going. 
<laughs> so, you know, when you work with a bunch of sillies, sillies in a good way. Very, uh, very uh, funny. Oh, very funny. I very much like it. Um, but yeah, processing the weekend. or It's crazy how much you fall behind processing what's happened or what's going on in your life. And I generally like to look back to kind of appreciate, right? I had such a good weekend. So for the first time, I met one of Brian's close friends because we were kind of like, communication was kind of cross-pollinated. Like he would talk to to her about me and then he would talk to me about her and I'm like why haven't all three of us just hung out yet or one of us suggested we should hang out I can't really remember who it was who gives a shit the point is we went out for breakfast and I'm like we should commit to this at least once a month I think that we can do this once a month and they were like yeah okay so we have dubbed ourselves the breakfast club we're at the breakfast club, and we had so much fun, and after we had breakfast, we went for a nice walk in the park near the place, and it was a beautiful day. It didn't rain, and those are the times. This reminds me of something I read about called vital engagement, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it's something that I'm like, ooh, that, you need more of that in your life. This is how you acquire meaning in your life. This is something that I've read in The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt, the book I'm almost done reading, which I think I'm going to do a bedtime story series on, but that will be Patreon only because it's going to take a while to do, and uh, I kind of am interested in having like a discussion about it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But anyway... <coughs> So that was something that I did. That was Saturday morning. Ended up going to the mall after we dropped our our girlfriend off and looking around. And I got to tell you, I was kind of disappointed with how little stuff they had. And if they had something I liked, I didn't like the color or it didn't fit me properly. Like I put on this hoodie. It was a small and it was so big. (laughs) It was just so big. Like, I don't understand. Are they making what's supposed to be small bigger so that bigger people don't feel bad? Like, I know Walmart does that. Walmart sizes run a little bit larger. But usually when you go to stores that sell, like, um, I don't know, like skater brands or Adidas or something, usually the sizes are pretty standard. So I was like, hmm, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's supposed to be loose. (sighs) And I guess it was. I guess it was. But anyway, I found nothing. I tried on a few things. I've been trying to find a plaid shirt. Because I like them things, you know. They're cute. That's a new obsession this year, is the plaid print. So Canadian, isn't it? Dude, Canadians wear a lot of plaid. Like, when we went in for breakfast, I'm surprised Brian wasn't wearing his plaid. But I was wearing my plaid. Our fr- girlfriend was wearing plaid. People in the restaurant were wearing plaid. It's cute. And it, it just looks so comfy. It just reminds you of, I want to like snuggle on the couch with some big fluffy boots and like a nice super soft scarf and like a nice blanket or something. Obviously leggings. Jeans look really cute with those too though. So, hmm. 
Maybe I need to find it on Amazon. Maybe that's the way to go. That's the way to go. But as I was saying, so the things that I did this weekend really made me feel like I was engaging in this thing called vital engagement. Um, let me just read to you what it is, because I'm just going to keep mentioning it. And if I don't at least give you an idea of what it is, it's going to be hard to... Okay, okay. It. This is an excerpt from The Happiness Hypothesis. Okay. okay. <clears throat> vital engagement is a subtle concept. And the first time I taught a course on positive psychology, the students weren't getting it. I thought that an example would help. So I called in a woman who had been quiet in class, but who had once mentioned her interest in horses. I asked Catherine to tell us how she got involved in riding. She described her childhood love of animals and her interest in horses in particular. Oh my God, this reminds me of Kelly Noodle. At the age of 10, she begged her parents to let her take riding lessons, and they agreed. She rode for fun at first, but soon began riding in competitions. When it came to choose a college, she chose the University of Virginia in part because it had an excellent riding team. Catherine was shy, and after narrating these basic facts, she stopped talking. She had told us about her increasing commitment to riding, but vital engagement is more than just commitment. I probed further. I asked whether she could tell us the names of specific horses from previous centuries. She smiled and said, almost as if admitting a secret, that she had begun to read about horses when she began to ride, and that she knew a great deal about the history of horses and about famous horses in history. I asked whether she had made friends through riding, and she told us that most of her close friends were horse friends, people she knew from horse shows and from riding together. As she talked, she grew more animated and confident. It was as clear from her demeanor as from her words that Catherine had found vital engagement in writing. Just as Nakamura, oh my god, and Chiksep Mihai had said, her initial interest grew into an ever-deepening relationship, an ever-thickening web connecting her to an activity, a tradition, and a community. Writing for Catherine had become a source of flow, joy, identity, affectance, and relatedness. It was part of her answer to the question of purpose within life. Vital engagement does not reside in the person or in the environment. It exists in the relationship between the two. The web of meaning that engulfed Catherine grew and thickened gradually and organically over many years. <coughs> so, this part is closer to the end of the book because what he's trying to, I mean, it's called the happiness hypothesis. So what he ends up hypothesizing is that it's more about the relationship between the two things, between the person and their environment. He was talking earlier about you're, you're not able to change people necessarily, but you are able to create the conditions in which that person can thrive. And what that requires is a better relationship between the environment and the individual. <clears throat> your, your Lebensraum, your living space, you know what I mean? Your relationship between you and your hobbies or what you like to do. And the idea of those things ever thickening gradually and growing organically over many years you develop a relationship and that's something that I think about with some of my friends is that 
I have that. Over the years, for example, Brian and I have gotten real tight. You know what I mean? Like, we spent more time together over time. Our times together are very meaningful. We talk a lot, you know? We develop a relationship by getting to know each other. And, like, now we're kind of combining our li- Like, our lives are, like, they're already kind of combined, right? When you're in someone's life. But, like, to meet your friend's friend, that's a huge deal, too. Now I have another relationship that I'm going to have an organic and gradual kind of thing going on with. And that really is it, is when you have something that you're doing over a long period of time that is getting better and growing, it feels good. You look back on it and you get that feeling. You get that sense of vital engagement. And I, it's so weird to even kind of think, oh, I didn't know that part was so important. But I always talk about that part. I always talk about how it's important, your relationship between you and your environment, your relationship between the people you have around you and how those things develop and work. You want them to be good, right? You also can't force relationships. You can't force people to hang out with you and force people to do. So it's nice when there's like a, when things just seem to fall into place gradually, organically, over time, it just feels good. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. It's that easy. Another friend that I've I've been seeing a lot lately is my, my girlfriend, Victoria, you know. Yeah, it's been rocky over the last decade. God, it's so crazy. We've been friends for like 10 years. Ugh, I only count like six of those, though, because we didn't talk. That, that hoe ghosted me. <laughs> she disappeared, that crazy girl, and came back way less crazy. Man, it's so good. When your friends go away for a while and then you touch base with them a little while later and they kind of tell you what's been going on with them and they update you and they are trying to, like she's in that zone that I am trying to have in my head. She, she talks to me out loud and tells me like, this is the kind of thing that I'm thinking. I'm feeling this way. I'm trying to correct it this way. She never did that before. Um, so it's like so crazy good to see somebody do that coming from a place where they were always confused and always lost and always kind of running away from their problems and finally being someone who's like, no, I'm responsible for dealing with my shit. And I'm like, yes, you are exactly good for you. Good for you. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Like these are the kinds of people I have around me. I'm responsible of managing this in my life. I'm responsible to deal with this. It is irresponsible of me to make a bad decision that will ruin my future or ruin my life or this, this, or that. Yes, it is irresponsible, and that's a great way to think about it too. So when her and I talk, that's that's the language we use, right? Why aren't you going to do that? Well, it's irresponsible of me to do that because there are far more repercussions than there are positive possible benefits. Well, <laughs> and... That's it. Like those kinds of examples are exactly what I need in my life. And the vital engagement that I get from that is so good. And so good every year. And that's the best, right? I mean, yeah, it doesn't always work out in the most nice way. 
you know, sometimes your ass gotta get ghosted and shit. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) Sometimes people need to fuck right off and deal with their shit. And then they can come back. Maybe. Depending. (laughs) If you didn't do anything to me. Yeah, we we can resume the friendship. Of course. And I never feel like something was done to me if someone just leaves. You know what I mean? Depending on the circumstance. Friends, obviously, it's a different story. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking relationships or anything. I ain't talking relationships or anything like that. You know? So, anyways, I'm trying to find more ways to do this or engage in this vital engagement. So, as I said increasing activities, right? I feel like I get vital engagement from reading, from listening to someone over time. I feel like I get vital engagement from listening to the Rogan experience. You know, I have been listening to him. Oh my gosh, for so long. Like, when did he come out? 2000? When did the Rogan experience start? Was that 10 years ago or something? Five or six years ago? I don't remember. I don't remember, but I've been listening to it since him and Brian would sit in his basement on the couch with mics and laptops. Oh my gosh, with that shitty camera quality. (laughs) Oh, how far that show has come. And you just feel like you know a person when you hear them talk so much, you know? Especially talk to so many different people. So many different people, wide array of topics. You really get to know someone. And you really get to kind of understand their mind. And um, that, like learning things and getting that out of it, again, a lot of guidance, right? I use Joe Rogan for a lot of guidance. That's what I generally do. Um, Maternal instincts and like, I don't have a problem with female stuff, but like the kind of structure and strength that the father symbolizes in the family structure, that's the kind of stuff that I kind of gravitate towards men who exhibit those kinds of qualities. So he's one of them. Family is very important to him. And like, he obviously has some very strong values and respect. And I, he's there's just so much to respect. So I've learned a lot about him. And I feel like I get that vital engagement because of the relationship between me and that podcast, that relationship over time. Again, that gradually builds you know about this, this, or that, and you know about things that you could only know about if you listen and were actually developing a relationship with somebody. And this is important. This is for your life. This is for your life. So it's important. Like I was talking to my, fr- my friend last night. He had come over and we were just like having a smoke and chilling. And uh, he was like, yeah, I don't really know what to do. I'm like, you got to find things you like. If you have time... Don't just sit around and watch TV or do something like that. Like, find something to do, you know? Maybe see if you have some sort of creative muscle that you can flex. Try and try and play with that and see how that goes. But you've got to find something that you just love to do. Or find a few things. Find some friends, right? Like, some people are really weird about friends. He is. He's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, call people to hang out? And I'm like... I mean, you're doing that right now. We're just sitting here talking, (laughs) smoking, 
some weed. Like, what is so difficult about this? He's like, yeah, I don't do that with my friends. I never say, yo, you want to just come hang out? There always has to be an activity involved. And I'm like, oh. Luckily, I don't have that problem. I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a problem. But I like that. I like just being able to chill. You know, it's so nice to just be able to sit and talk. Talk, you know? To talk with your friends and just whatever, shoot the shit. Anything and everything. You don't always have to have some crazy deep conversation about whatever. You know, sometimes it's fun to just chit chat. Talk shit about people who do stupid shit. That's always a fun activity because there's a lot of stupid people and they do a lot of stupid shit. And trust me, I am included in that group. I need to tinkle, so I will return. BRB. And okay. So, yeah, vital engagement. And it's funny. I was thinking about this too. This what I do. This what I love. This hobby of mine. This for me is vital engagement. This is something that I hope to build over the years and have fun with and get better at and just have a good relationship because I love it. I love it. It's very nice. <laughs> um, oh boy, I just received a text from my landlord. Just one sec. Let me put this on a quick pause. Well, I'm not going to pause it. I'm actually just going to talk. Uh, 1.30 p.m. I will make arrangements. So, let me just back up off this vital engagement thing for a minute and tell you, let me tell you about a delivery I have coming today. So, I ordered a new monitor because my computer monitors are both messed up. What's really funny is I told my friend about it last night and he was like, you know what's really funny? I had monitors that did that, a monitor that did that too and it was a Samsung Something about the TTP panel or something or other. I don't even know what these technical terms mean. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, I guess it's a Samsung thing because I've never seen this problem before. The entire screen just totally glitches out on me. And then I can't even consistently do things because I need this particular screen to look at if I would like to film video or stream or do any of that stuff. And when it's not working, I can do anything because I can't move the programs that open on that screen onto the other screen because it's glitched out and I can't see anything. So this poses quite a problem. It makes it rather difficult to complete tasks that I would like to complete. Plus, it's just... It's so difficult to go from having two monitors to having one. Doesn't that sound so sad? <laughs> yep. Can't go back. I can't go back. And uh, it was nice. Chris found me one on sale. You know, there's another thing, right? Like I, I've had, I have a couple relationships that I've found on the internet that have lasted and that I've built over the years. And that's one of my favorite ones is Chris. Chris is such a dependable and helpful person. And anytime I've had a problem, he has been there for me. And uh, I feel like that relationship for me is one of vital engagement too. You know, I love Chris. He's so fucking awesome. You're so fucking awesome, Chris. Oh my God. <laughs> 
So as soon as I told him, I'm like, oh my God, my computer. He's like, I found one on sale for you. Here it is. You're probably not going to get one this good at this price. So I sat on it all day. I didn't want to rush into the decision and freak out and just buy it because I could. Because you know how easy it is to spend money when you can buy shit. But you know, hey, don't how slow your mother in roll and just don't. <laughs> Budget, be smart, put it away. Because <laughs> it feels very good to have long paper in the bank account, son. So, yeah, and I decided I can't do this anymore where I just I have to turn on the computer, turn the screen on, turn it off, turn it off, turn it on again, turn it off, turn it on again, and like five or six times later, and then maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work after five or six attempts at turning it on and turning it off. And you know, mm. oftentimes I sit here and I talk so much that I forget about my coffee, and uh yeah, that's how it goes, isn't it? I felt like I really wanted to talk about a few other things. Um, this is a very difficult time in the morning. This is, it's so clunky to talk in the morning. And I really hope to get better at orating. But the thing that I, I worry about is maybe because I'm talking in the morning time, that's causing a problem for me. You know, maybe because I'm doing it in the morning, which is a clunky time of the day anyway, it's always going to be difficult. But it's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> I like the morning time. I like it because it is actually challenging because my brain is like, <laughs> it's stalling like a 1978 Mazda 323 standard. It's all puttering and. <laughs> But yeah, I can't remember what I was talking about now. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, one of those other things being that the elections were yesterday here in Canada. I mean, that's not even that super important. It is not that super important to me anyway. I didn't participate this time because uh, I just wasn't interested. There was nobody that I was interested in voting for. And I don't just want to vote to vote. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, just so you know, by not voting, you are. No, it was Eric I was talking to at work. He's like, by not voting, you're still participating. And I'm like, I mean, okay, that's fine, I guess. I think that's a pretty fair thing to say, sure. And it was an act of choice. I feel like it's the last time that I voted, I was slightly more informed than I was this time, but not by much. And I'm not very informed. Canadian politics interests me not. So it's very difficult to go out and actually vote and not feel like that's just the most ignorant shit to do. You know, <laughs> it's like, eh, it's one vote. I feel like whether I do or don't doesn't really matter. I think I have a good reason. I also am just not interested in participating. Oh, Maybe I should have, but I couldn't have left work anyway. You know what I mean? I think they give you time to leave and come back. Mm. They give you the time to leave and to return, but 
where my writing is, like where I am and where it's good for me to vote or where I'm allowed to vote based on where I live is not exactly close to work. So it would have been quite a pain in the butt to have to travel and then travel back. So I just decided, no, there's no point. Alrighty, vital engagement is defined as a relationship to the world that is characterized both by experiences of flow, enjoyed absorption, and by meaning, subjective significance. Yes, check out that term. It's a really important one to know. There's another one that I'm going to talk about. I think I'm going to get a little deeper into this vital engagement thing, but it's something that I just wanted to kind of bring up. Um, I have this thing where when I read something and I find it interesting or I find that it's incredibly useful and has a lot of utility and people should hear it like I just want to tell the world right oh my god listen about this concept listen about it it's something that I hope you have in your life and if you don't I want to remind you to get some because it's only going to make you feel better and it's only going to make you feel good over time you know it's a useful thing. Everybody needs to have sources of vital engagement. You want to increase your well-being, don't you? That's what it's all about. It's about increasing your well-being. And I think the more that you can do that, the more that you will generally be more tipped towards the happy end of the scale. But it's difficult. Like a lot of a lot of people's mindsets and dispositions have a lot to do with just innate structures in their brain. Now, something that I listened to Jordan Peterson and Jonathan Hyde talk about yesterday is that people think that innate means that it cannot be changed. It's immutable. But innate just means that the structure was present before there was any experience to cause that to happen. Just There's this thing that called morphic resonance where they've talked about how memories are genetic, which makes some sort of sense because obviously if you've never seen a spider but you have a fear of that spider, that's coming from somewhere. So there has to be some elements of memory in some way that help us remember those things. But innate structures cognitively does not mean that those things cannot be revised by experience. They can definitely be revised by experience again. So just something to know. You know what I mean? And some of us have the, the kind of minds that are geared towards a certain mindset or a mood. And uh, yeah, that can be kind of difficult to counteract. But there's certainly, once again, the most important part to recognize is there are conditions that everybody can create so that they can flourish or do better or increase their well-being. And I think vital engagement with something that you love to do is very, very imperative. Level up your well-being game, my friends. The better you feel, the better you feel over time, the better it's just going to be, like, duh. Seems so dumb for me to say. Like, why are you even saying this, dummy? Hey, Amy, thanks for telling us obvious shit. I don't think this shit's that obvious. <clears throat> I don't think this shit's that obvious. Because if it was, I feel like people would be a lot calmer. You know what I mean? Like, I've come into contact with people who are just like, you can tell they're just on the brink of breaking down or breaking. Something's going to happen that's going to cause them to just break. 
They're on that brink. Sometimes I wonder how people like that go on, you know? It's very, uh, it's interesting to see from just like a, a psychological perspective. People are like this, right? Where you just keep putting things on the back burner. You pretend things don't exist. You tell yourself a story about the way that you are. And you think you have so much control over yourself and your environment. And you're continuously ignoring the fact that things are happening to you. And over time, the less and less those things fit into the story you're trying to tell yourself, and the more you ignore the discrepancy between what's actually happened and the story you've told yourself, eventually that shit's going to crash down, and it's going to eat you alive from the inside. It's kind of crazy. I think vital engagement also has to do with like the, that relationship between yourself and the environment, whatever is in your environment, whatever it may be. It makes a, a hell of a difference if it's an honest relationship you know what I mean like if you could describe what happens or like mm, how do I how can I how can I formulate this example I don't know right now I can't think right now but again like if you have a truthful relationship with reality it's probably going to be a lot better than if, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm saying. Just fucking shut up. <laughs> there you go. There's my brain fart for the morning. It happens. Sometimes I don't get enough time to think about these things and I try to work them out here. And I'm like, just talk out loud or think quietly in your mind for some time and then try and talk about it. Don't go through the labor of embarrassing yourself and trying to work it out in real time on the mic. But sometimes it's good to. <laughs> now I'm going to look back at this and be like, what the hell was I trying to say? And try and fix it. Because that's my form of vital engagement. I like that. I like that. It's fun. Okay. Um, guess what just dropped last night? Joe Rogan experience with Richard motherfucking Dawkins. And I'm so excited I've been waiting for this the whole time. I can't wait to see what Richard Dawkins says when Joe Rogan tells him or asks him if he's going to or has done DMT or some sort of psychedelics and he's going to say no and Joe's going to be like, why not? <sighs> That'll be an interesting discussion. It's only an hour long, so that's kind of the bummer about it. But man, I can tell you, I can already feel it's going to be good. It's going to be good. All day? Huh. My friend's like, it's holy snickle fritz, it's cold. And that just reminded me of a show when I was a kid. And I don't think anybody actually knows that sh this show. It's called The Big Comfy Couch. There was a big, this, well, she's not big. The couch is big. She's this cute little girl, and her name was Lynette. Lunette? Lunette. She had a doll named Molly that came to life. There were these two dust bunnies that lived under the couch that would that they would always play the silly music and they would pan to at some point in the show. Um, there was oh my god, her uncle on the unicycle. I forget his name. Oh, but there was Granny Garbanzo, <laughs> her grandma, and oh my god, how can I not remember? Maybe it's not her uncle. Maybe it's just the male guy. Dude, I don't know. My memory is so poor for things that I watched when I was younger. So, yeah. 
Yeah, watch live now. TLDR, Feminazi, The Paper, Mind Comfy Stream. Okay, then. Okay. <sighs> Sometimes I feel like people are super weird about doing things for you. You know what I mean? So my landlord's upstairs. I have that, a package coming today. And I'm like, um, I let them know on Sunday that... It would either be arriving Monday or Tuesday. So they're like, we're not going to be home all day on Monday. I'm like, okay. So I let them know it's actually coming today because I got shipment notice. And they're like, she's like, we're going to meet the doctors. I'm like, all day? Like, there's just a small window that I'm asking if you're going to be home. So <laughs> all day. Yeah, we're going to be at the doctor all day. Why do people do that? Dude, just say you don't want to accept it if you have a problem with that. I don't mind, you know super annoying when people do that make excuses and shit just say you don't want to can you just be direct I don't care about my feelings when it comes to that kind of shit just say you can't or don't want to or it's inconvenient for you that would never bother me this like oh uh, we're gonna be busy oh uh, I don't know if we're gonna be home oh uh, it's like shut the fuck up why are you doing that <laughs> what the hell is the problem Anyways, that's what I'm managing at the moment. That's what my text messaging rudely was about. The construction of meaning through vital engagement. Sorry, I'm like super on this topic right now. I'm super on this topic and I'm super back into reading about psychology and, you know, kind of keeping up with that stuff because it's incredibly important. It's good to know. And it's good to be able to see certain things in other people when you're trying to develop relationships. If you want a good vetting process, you got to understand the psyche a little bit. You got to invest a little bit of time in thinking about it. And I think a lot of people avoid reading about that stuff because you're going to learn a lot about yourself and you're going to learn that there's a lot of unfavorable characteristics you have. And that's unsettling for a lot of people. You know, they don't want to. They don't want to have to reflect and look at that kind of stuff. So, yeah, let's see. The nature of vital engagement in adulthood. Anyways, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to end this now because I'm getting a little distracted. I did have an article pulled up, but it's a bit... No, it's okay, I guess. Let's finish with an article, shall we? It's another psychology article. Are we ready? Okay. <clears throat> Man, I've jumped around a lot today. Let me have a sip of coffee. It is all over the place, kids. Mm -mm. All right. New studies suggest psychopathic men have a personality style that makes them attractive to women. Oh, my God. It's like they wrote an article about me. <laughs> men with psychopathic traits tend to create favorable favorable impressions on women according to a new study published in evolutionary psychological science the findings indicate that psychopathy may include features that make men appear as more attractive romantic partners despite having a reduced interest in committed relationships psychopathy is a way of describing some people mostly men who have specific personality and behavioral tendencies has led to some enigmatic and quite frankly alarming findings from prisons many of which had sexual and romantic consequences, said study author Christopher Brazil, a Ph.D. candidate at Brock University. 
<coughs> For instance, clinicians and psychologists working in prison settings have long known that inmates with more psychopathic features tenaciously try, i.e. are preoccupied with sex, and often succeed, i.e. must offer some attractive qualities, even if faked, at seducing prison staff, including clinical staff supposedly equipped with the tools to not be subverted by manipulation and charm that psychopathic men deploy. Yet these individuals were some of the most violent and disruptive individuals in the institutions they were housed. The enigma of presenting such a positive image of themselves successfully despite their negative effect on others is what strongly influenced our ideas for this study, Brazil told SciPost. Understanding how psychopathic individuals may be doing this was important, i.e. how manifesting the traits unfolded in a social context. But we were also interested in understanding why psychopathy may even exist. This is where the evolutionary component came in. It allowed us to ask questions about the very existence of psychopathic traits, i.e., might they exist precisely because they enable men to have this kind of positive effect in initiating sexual and romantic relationships, Brazil said. Ultimately, the existing non-evolutionary theories of psychopathy did not provide a good explanation for how and why psychopathy may have these effects. So we were interested in furthering our understanding of psychopathy using an evolutionary lens that can make sense of these effects. For their study, the researchers recruited 46 young men from a Canadian university and had them engage in a video-recorded dating scenario with a female research assistant for about two minutes. The assistant started the conversation by asking the participant what he liked to do on a first date or what he thought was important in a relationship. Afterward, the male participants completed assessments of psychopathy, social intelligence, and sociosexuality. The researchers then had 108 young women view the dating videos and rate each man on general attractiveness, sexual attractiveness, and confidence. Another group of 11 participants rated the men's physical attractiveness. Brazil and his colleagues found that psychopathy was positively related to both men's social intelligence and favorable attitudes towards casual sex. They also found that women's ratings tended to be more favorable to men with more psychopathic traits, even after controlling for physical attractiveness ratings. Psychopathic men have a personality style that makes them appear attractive to women in dating encounters. This may be because they are extra confident or feel at ease or know exactly what to say to get the attention of women, Brazil told SciPost. Oh my god. (laughs) More research needs to be done on this, but whatever the reason, our research shows that psychopathic traits certainly don't seem disordered like dominant clinical approaches assume. There is something in this personality style that may provide individual benefits, Not that they don't also have costs, which makes us think it is not a disorder. Bolstering this argument, previous research has also indicated that manipulative and deceitful personality traits can help psychopathic individuals achieve reproductive success in unpleasant environments, though the long-term consequences are complex. Lastly, psychopathic individuals may use their charm and exciting personality to elicit trust and desire, but their ultimate goal seems to be selfish pleasure. The old cliche of getting to know someone well may be one maxim to live by to protect oneself from getting into a relationship with a psychopathic individual, Brazil explained. 
Holy shit. The study provides news insights into psychopathy and relationships, but future research should examine more diverse samples to confirm these findings. While studies from different groups of individuals, such as college students, members from the community, psychiatric patients, prison inmates, show psychopathy has similar effects across these different groups, we would like to repeat a similar study on men in prisons or men in the community, Brazil said. The line between being in one or another of these groups can sometimes be blurred, especially with psychopathic individuals, but examining the ability to appear attractive in men from prisons is a necessary test for the hypothesis we developed in this study, since these men may be the most enigmatic. Though psychopathic traits may help to attract partners, they also come with serious trade-offs. Yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> Another important caveat to consider is that even though psychopathy may have these benefits of attracting others, there are enormous costs and risks to being psychopathic that helps clarify why not more people are psychopathic. For instance, by virtue of being psychopathic, one never really fits in long-term in a social group. Connections to others are tenuous and rarely will someone have your back when it really matters. Not only do they cheat on their partners, they also get cheated on a lot too. These costs should make it clear that the potential benefits of investing in psychopathic traits as a young man will come with some negative consequences as well. <coughs> we really need to better understand the factors that influence boys starting to invest in or develop a psychopathic personality, all the while keeping in mind the evolutionary component to understand why certain developmental factors are influential. For instance, boys may be surveying their social groups, social, groups, social groups to see how women are treated, if they are respected and admired or seen as objects. Boys may also be surveying their same-sex groups to see if they can trust other guys as close friends, which may reduce the likelihood of developing psychopathy. Uncovering some of these developmental and early signs that might predict psychopathy is a necessary step in this research. Huh... Well, I'm going to post that in the description. It's very interesting to think about that. I like the idea, or I like that this different view that it's not a disorder. It's actually, it's, it's worked evolutionarily. That's why the traits exist in the bundle that they do. But uh, man, oh man, they're not the most fun to deal with. I can tell you that. I can tell you that every time I read stuff like this, I trip out. I'm like, ugh, I fell for this twice, twice, twice. Fake it till you make it, right? And holy shit, when someone is so into themselves and they believe in their own bullshit so much too, they're incredibly convincing to other people, the other people in this scenario being me. So I tend to be a little bit more cautious about it. I mean, it is what it is, right? You can't really hate. There just are people like this. Just like there are. There's people who suck and there's people who's awesome and there's people in between. And uh, yeah, that was an interesting article. I will post it in the description for you. But anyway, I'm going to get up. I think I'm going to watch some J.R.E. Dawkins action. I hope you have a wonderful day. Take it easy. We will chat soon. Everything you need, everything you need to reach me is in the description. Do 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 do. Okay. Bye.